We the bestest cast with the left twist. Fat, fairly well dressed. Put me on the guest list. The guest list. Uh, yeah, on the guest list. Yeah. Uh. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of On the Guest List with Fox trying to get down White Sox, Dave, Kenny, Carkeet, and Dante. We have an unbelievable interview today. We are lucky enough to get to talk to Jose Pasillas, the drummer of the legendary Incubus today. Great interview that absolutely fell into our lap. And I have Mr. David Williams, White Sox Dave, to thank for that. First off, David, how are you today? I'm great. Uh, you said it fell into our lap. It absolutely did. Uh, I get a lot of like mass emails through, uh, from people where they make it sound like it's a personal email to you. But it, you could tell after like reading it, it's probably just an email blast where they copy and paste everything then change the name to who they're sending it to um but this one i could i could tell is different they're like hey would uh jose pasillas the drummer for incubus wants to link up with barstool do you guys have like a music platform i was like like i don't know why you'd be asking me this personally if you do have a music platform but uh yes absolutely we would love to um can he and he's like can you do noon tomorrow so i'm like absolutely i just didn't want to risk shuffling anything around so we lost well, the, interview, so i'm like name the time we're there the best part was all day the day before i was like we need an interview for this yeah, exactly week. exactly we need an interview for this week and god works in mysterious ways and it's a great conversation someone who was there for about like 10 minutes of it and somehow fell off the fucking zoom dante how are we buddy i'm good man i had to uh i had to run i had a meeting with uh fucking bankers and landlords it was not what i wanted to be talking about especially because uh he was cool as fuck man and he's seen a lot of shit he's met a lot of people and he's as real as it gets and some of the stories he was telling i mean obviously incubus is on a whole other fucking level um you know then no offense you or i but uh hearing him and kenny like trade stories about coming up and playing house parties and then playing, you know, bigger parties. And it was just really like, I could relate. Cause that's how, you know, I kind of came up starting doing house parties and, and school dances and playing clubs when I was underage and not being allowed to stay there when I got done playing and getting kicked out. It was just fucking hilarious hearing him say the same shit. Man, I, I, I don't know if I wasn't, I just like didn't have any expectations going in. I was like, all right, let's do this. And I went in with such a clear head and I was just so excited to talk to this guy. The stories were great. He's an awesome dude. There is a story in here and you guys will know what I'm talking about is my favorite story on this podcast. Dave, you know what I'm talking about. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. It's like the entire time he was going through it. I'm like, and I, I'm sure we were all thinking it. Kenny even said it to him at the end social clip social oh clip. it's the social clip of the century it's the greatest thing we could put up here and i i i i'm not even gonna fucking go too deep into it because we'll cover it after we come out of the interview and we have a lot to talk about today i've been working on some stuff we have a lot to talk about in the music industry kodak black kind of fucked some girl at a hockey game we got a lot to talk about but uh let's skip through that let's go into our interview with jose pasillas the drummer of incubus All right, ladies and gentlemen, on the podcast today, I'm excited about this one. We have drummer of the legendary Incubus, Mr. Jose Pasillas in the building. Jose, how are you, buddy? I'm good, man. How you guys doing? We're great, man. We're happy to have you here. Uh, first things first, we always start with a random question. Uh, at what point are you going to go full Travis Barker to start drumming on everybody's songs all the time? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, today. I'm starting today. Oh, Yeah. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna go right into my drum, my my little kit right there, and play to everybody. <laughs> the same beat for all, everybody. <laughs> release it all at once. There we go. Be <laughs> playing, dude. Realistically, we're we're so happy to have you here, man. Uh, first things first. I I do have to ask you this. I think the first way I found you guys was probably like now. That's what I call music volume seven. <laughs> Uh, right, it right. was probably drive, right? Yeah, what are they on? Like 109 now? Probably. Yeah, was, we, we've been on a handful of them, I'm sure. I actually have now. That's what we call music uh, volume 69. I have the CD. My friend gave it to me as a Christmas present one year just because I'm a douchebag. But, Yo, nice. Uh, Amazing. <laughs> I found Our Love. Your, like It was the first single off the last record, I think, on TikTok. So 
this career spans through several mediums, several like eras of time. Like, how the hell have you guys stayed so consistent? Like, what's the longevity secret here? <clears throat> Drugs and alcohol, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> All right, that makes sense. Penny's ears perked up right away. <laughs> uh, you know, to be honest, it's just really, uh, it's been so long. And obviously, like any relationship, you know, where we have like peaks and valleys and we kind of hit a, a valley really hard, you know, probably 10 years ago. And, and I think at that point, we, we questioned whether we wanted to be in a band or not. And after time, you know, it's like we had been just kind of grinding, putting out records and touring year after year for like 15 years. And, you know, it's like, that's all we know. That's all we're around. And that's just a lot, you know, so it'll drive anybody crazy. But after some of like, you know, our, our deepest and darkest times, you know, I think we've we sort of realized what we had and how grateful, you know, we need to be to be able to have a career for so long and be able to be, you know, um, writing music, doing doing what we love, you know, what we're passionate about. And I think it just took some time for us to be apart from one another to really just kind of grasp that, you know. And then after that, we really started to appreciate what we're doing, who we're with and what we're able to do. And, uh, you know, it's just it's a, it's really a brotherhood now. And I think we're stronger as a band now than we've we've been in a really long time. So it's it's really it's really having respect for each other and and letting go of ego and trying to get through those. I mean, everything and everyone, you know, ego gets in the way, no matter what relationship you're in, band, marriage, friendships, you know. So I think really like just growing, you know, experience and just appreciating what we have, you know, so. We're still happy to be doing it. It's crazy. 30 years, you know? Let's not forget years? good music as well. Good fucking songs are important to a long career. Yeah, I mean, that that's, that's the hope. That's the hope. You know, it's like I, I, I enjoy what we do. I think, you know, anything we put out, we put our heart and soul into it. And we, we feel that it's, it's, it moves us and hopefully it moves our listeners. So that's kind of the first thing, as long as it's something that, we can get behind and we love and we feel passionate about then we're good with putting it out now whether that's good or not you know that's up to the subjective listener but you know that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of the hope. <laughs> well it's become objective at this point i mean Inky, we're we're all colin just turned 30 dante's in his mid-30s as is kenny i'm early 30s like incubus is like the one of the bands at least of our adolescence and into adulthood so that's a very objective opinion at this point you said 30 years one question i got for you so like doing a little deep dive on you personally and incubus the band uh you guys kind of started as a garage band a little bit like you were high school boys right yeah yeah we we were just jamming music because we were bored we didn't have we were 15 we didn't drive you know we, we were all into the same sort of like you know uh, music and sort of, uh, interest, like we skated, we drew, we surfed, you know, we were into the same music and we all started playing our instruments right around the same time. So we just spent a lot of time sort of entertaining each other with our instruments as we, you know, grew to learn them, you know, now cherry picking off that question. When did you guys know, like, Holy shit, we got something here. Like incubus might, it's going to evolve from a garage band, just jamming with, with the boys, you know, plucking off each other's tunes and stuff to like, we could be a household name. Was there like a come to Jesus moment? Um, I don't know if it was a particular moment. It was like a slow, uh, like a steady growth. I mean, we started when we were in 10th grade playing parties, you know, and um, we were just probably for that first year, just messing around. We knew a lot of people, we knew everyone at high school, in high school. So people would just ask us to play. We, we played a few parties even before Brandon was in the band. It was just a three piece and we were just doing like, you know, we were doing instrumental Metallica songs and, you know. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Sick. Do, you, you, guys, uh, do you, you, you run into anybody that remembers any of those shows or that had you play at their house or anything like that ever? Um, from time to time, you know, I mean, I, I kind of, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty out of the loop with a lot of, you know, people just in general. I'm kind of isolated in my house, but um, from time to time, I, I still live in Calabasas. So oh, there you go. Yeah. On that rare occasion, Thousand Oaks. 
yeah, from on rare occasion, I run into people I went to high school with, you know, and, and that comes up from time to time, which is pretty rad, you know, it's like 30 years ago. Um, but, you know, we kind of started, you know, playing shows or, or parties and the parties got bigger and bigger and bigger. Then we played this place called Mancini's in the Valley, which was like this dirt hole bar. And, uh, and so once we, once we sort of like figured out, okay, we can buy tickets because it was pay to play back then, you know, buy a hundred tickets and then sell the hundred tickets. We did that no problem. So we went, you know, and did that, I think at the whiskey and we did that like a handful of times. And this is all during high school. Yeah. So, so like, like, how were you doing yeah. bar shows when you were minor? So that we would have to, we would have to sit outside and we would have to, as soon as the band cleared before, you know, if we were playing before or after a band, all our gear would be sitting outside. They would let us in. We'd set up our gear. They'd make us wait outside until we were ready to play, play, grab our shit and go, you know, <laughs> done it. Yep, been there. We, I've been there. That, bro. We did that for years. We did that with Blink. You know, we were touring with Blink back in the day and we would be all sitting outside, you know, just like shooting the shit and they're like oh they're letting us in to set up our gear so we'd put in our kit it was it was funny man it was it was all rat it was just all super cool like super fun so after a few years of doing that we were like you know we can fill out these clubs you know we had like hundreds of kids of our friends come to the whiskey and after like two or three times of like pay to play the promoters are like you don't have to pay for pay for any tickets just here's your date you know they knew hundreds of kids would be coming and and it was funny because it was at the time where like hair metal bands were still they were kind of winding out around that time this is like you know mid 90s and so we'd, we'd play with like you know these hair bands and and it was funny because we would always open the shows for them you know they were kind of like the big band on sunset and they would be like we'd be in the dressing room and on more than one occasion, they're like, dude, the place is sold out. It's crazy. The show's going to be insane. And we'd go on like at eight 30, you know, and like crazy pits would happen, you know, like just be like mayhem for like, you know, the 40 minutes we're playing and then we'd be done. And the whole place would just completely oh. empty out. It'd be like, it'd be like 15 <laughs> people left and they, you know, they were so bummed, you know, they what a shot to the ego. They were kicking the dick. Who's the most that, random hair band that you opened for? Like Rat or something like that? Like No, no. I mean, that would have been that would have been a step up. Um, I, I can't even remember. One one name that keeps coming to mind is Pretty Boyd Floyd, but I don't even know if we played with them. <laughs> it's so far removed from me, you know. But so, you know, it was kind of like that buildup, you know, it was it was a gradual build from small parties to medium to big parties to playing clubs in LA. And by the time we were in high school, we were like, you know. We were getting better at our craft. Still wasn't good, but we were getting better. People were slowly like our friends were like as we were playing shows in this in Hollywood, slowly the faces became unfamiliar. Like our friends would slowly wind out, but we'd have tons of new faces. So to a lot of all of a sudden, we didn't know anybody, but it was still a full house. So is this before fungus? No, so fungus came out in uh well, it was right. Like, right around that same time. So Fungus Among Us came out in 95. We yeah. graduated in 94. So by when we were in, uh, when we were seniors, we were like, okay, we're going to graduate. We're going to get signed. We're going to this and that. And our parents were like, okay, that's all good and fine, but you guys need to go to school still. So mm -hmm. we were like, all right. So like, <laughs> we, I enrolled, me and Brandon enrolled at Moore Park Junior College. Mike was oh, yeah. in Santa Monica. Our old bass player, Alex, was the only one who like went to a university up in Santa Barbara. And we were like, dude, we'll just be in school for like six months, then we'll get signed and then we'll be out. And uh, two and a half years later, it took us, you know, <laughs> to get signed. But we kind of always knew like, like, so we just had faith in ourselves, you know, we were into it. Like we just from from our perspective and being able to fill sell out all of these clubs everywhere we went, it's like something's happening. Let's just keep going. And so we put out during that time, it was like 94, 95, we were constantly recording demos and we kind of put it together and put out Fungus Among Us. And Fungus was independent. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think it which was is crazy because 
I remember when I found fungus in like 97 in Florida. You know what I mean? Like that was my introduction yeah. to you guys. So it's just crazy that an independent record from a band from Calabasas can make its way all the way out there. I'm thinking of high school Kenny in Jenko's and like, like covering on- incubus. You know what I mean? And my yeah. bullshit fucking 100%. bands. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> We'll be honest with me, Jose, were you like a Jenkos and like Chains guy like back then? Because I feel like you guys somehow like in your early years get lumped into like the the new metal phase. But you obviously have grown past that exponentially. Like did that like new metal like kind of uprising at that period of time kind of jettison you guys that way? I mean, we still get lumped in with the new metal acts of these days and of the 90s and 2000s. Um, but um, I mean, sort of I, I I grew up skateboarding. So like baggy ass pants baggy ass shirt was like part of it even before I was playing music you know mm. and so during like the late 90s when corn came out that that kind of exploded that whole Jenkos, like every crazy you know sort that that specific genre and look you know we were kind of into that you know already and um you know I saw you guys play with I think it was Deftones at like Ooh. UCF Arena in like '99, somewhere around there, kind of thing. Speaking of new metal, like yeah, yeah, trip, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, yeah, we we've, we've been playing with Deftones forever, and we still play with them. It's it's awesome, it's fucking you know, epic, and, yeah. And they're still putting out awesome music too. You yeah, know, hell yeah. Pitching to see that, you know, we're we're uh the one percent of the one percent still making music after 30 years you know and it's rad i love those guys they still put out quality shit and yeah it's cool man to kind of piggyback off what dave was asking earlier though that come to jesus moment where like you guys are coming up in a scene but then all of a sudden you cross over to that like now that's what we call music volume seven with drive and stuff like what was the moment where you went from being like a professional band to a fucking like household name like dave said like was there one specific moment where you were like oh my god this is like a real thing um yeah i mean we when we we recorded uh make yourself Mm. so we put out science that came out in 97 we toured for two years behind that and that's when we started doing like international gigs and national tours and so we were playing like the oz fest we were playing with like 311 we're doing the Europe circuit where we played like the warp tour in Europe and we were playing (laughs) clubs with other bands, just, just doing everything, you know, and, and slowly just growing, you know, having, having a a slow growth with our fan base, writing music. Then we went in and recorded make yourself after two years in 99. And we had three singles on make yourself, you know, we, we put out um, pardon me, stellar and drive and each one of those you know i think i think part of me went three stellar went number two and then drive went number one and again when we put that out we toured for like 18 or 20 months straight behind that and still i think at that point we were playing like theaters at this time selling out theaters wherever we went and then when we got off tour there um we started doing morning view where we rented a home in malibu and during that time is when we released Drive and we were off the road and that just caught like wildfire. That was like, you know, a number one and everyone was playing it. So by the time we finished recording and went back out, we went from playing theaters that we already had set up to playing arenas, you know. And so that was kind of like that took us to that next level, you know. I saw pretty much all of those tours, which is just really cool to hear you talk about. And I remember... I remember seeing videos or like little mini doc episodes, whatever you want to call them, clips of you guys at that mansion making that record. And I remember kind of seeing the long tunnel being like, oh, there's this new thing where you don't need a studio. These guys brought a studio to a place to vibe and make a record. I remember that being something in my brain of like, they're one of the first to kind of do that. Yeah, uh, we Funky Monks was one of my all time favorite documentaries from the just music documentaries. And that was um blood sugars is heck sex magic the recording of that from the chili peppers and we were like dude that would be this was like 10th grade when it came out you know or 11th grade so like uh, 92 or 93 and we were like that would be that would be so fun to do and you know it's like eight years later mike mikey was always the one who was like 
always had like the crazy ideas and would make it happen, you know? And so we were like, let's, let's get a house. Let's bring the studio in there. And we found it. And, you know, it's like everyone has a recording studio in their home. You know, it's like, you just need a computer and some mics and you can record it. I grew up kind of following, but I wasn't really listening to it for the drums. And it wasn't really till, I don't know, I was in maybe seventh or eighth grade that actually the, the, like the real turning point was drums always kind of stuck out to me around, I don't know, when I started hitting 11 or 12 and I was always interested. And then my neighbor was Steven Adler. The Shut former, up. Yeah. What? The former <laughs> drummer of Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. So <laughs> Virginis, he moved in. I think I was like 13 or 14. He moved in right when Appetite came out. And I remember, I remember before he went on tour for that record, he would be playing like in the middle of the night and like the neighborhood was like livid. People were like, fuck this guy. Out. But it's <laughs> Steven Adler. And yeah. I would, I would sit up going, dude, this is insane. This is so cool. And so I think I was, I think I was like 14. And, and so I was just like, I was like, this is the raddest thing ever. And, and Appetite came out and it was huge and everyone fucking was listening to it. It was just a, a big record right off the bat. And so I remember he left on tour and I started playing drums right around that. So I think I was 15. Mike, Mike's stepdad had a piece of shit like CB 600 <laughs> in his house that he never played. So Mike's like, I'm going to bring it over. Cause we were, we were geeking off sailing the seas of cheese from Primus, yeah, yeah. All these yes. other, you know, yes. all these other bands that were coming out. And so Mike just started playing guitar, maybe like, I don't know when he, I think he was 15 as well. So he brought over his kit um, and his, his stepdad's kit and it never left, you know, like that was my kit. So we were jamming. I think that was kind of like the summer of, of like 91. And so I'd been playing for like a year, just ripping in my room. And my parents were awesome, man. They let me play as long as it wasn't early in the morning or late at night, they let me play whenever I wanted. And looking back, I'm like, that's fucking amazing. Cause I was loud as yeah. shit. And I was, you know, probably bad. It was not fun for them. But <laughs> they, they tolerated it, which was amazing. So, so there was a very specific time. Steven had come back on tour from, uh, you know, I think he probably got ejected from the band at yeah. that point. And he was always like, like out to lunch, like cruising around the neighborhood with like, you know, his hair all up here, faded, <laughs> yeah. you know, like no shirt, just, he was, he was thrashed. And so one morning I'm sleeping, it's like a Saturday morning. It's like seven in the morning. My room is downstairs. The rest of my family lived upstairs. The kitchen is downstairs next to my room. And my mom like wakes me up. She goes, she, she goes, Tony, my middle name's Antonio. My dad's name's Jose too. So my family calls me Tony. Yeah. She's like, Tony, Steven's at the door. And I'm like, what? Steven? She's like, Steven Adler's at the door. <laughs> I'm like, fucking seven in the morning. And I was like, oh, okay. So I get up and he's standing at the door. He's got like this silk robe. And it stops literally at his nuts. So like, you know, skinny ass legs, hair's all fucked up and big. And he's like, hey, man, he's like, can I play your drums? And, and, I, and I remember kind of looking because my mom kind of went back to the kitchen and they were kind of peeking around the corner. And I remember kind of looking to the side and I was going to invite him in, but he just walked in. So he cruised in. He knew where my room was because he can hear me play. Went into my room, just kind of like past the kitchen, made a right, like exactly knew where it was. His house was <laughs> his house was built like our home. Yeah. He he made an addition in which was his his studio, but the house itself was the same. So he knew which room was mine. He sat down at my drum kit, and I had like a kitchen table as a throne because I just had a beat up yeah. drum kit you know, on the kitchen table as a throne. He sits down and he grabs my sticks and I'm standing to his left and he looks over his shoulder and he goes, Mr. Brownstone. And he starts fucking just wailing. He wasn't even hitting my drums. He was hitting the rims, <laughs> yeah. like, fucking like missing cymbals. His fingers. 
dude, <laughs> we, we went off for like literally like a minute, just like a minute straight. Got up, like it was like a mic drop. Got up and walked out. Didn't say anything. <laughs> didn't and and <laughs> and so I was just I'm in shock the whole time because I was like, this is Steven Adler, you know. And and before like before he came over my house, I would. And before I before I played drums, I remember going to his house a couple times and being like, hey, can I see your drums? And he'd be like, yeah, man. And I'd go in his studio and he had this big like like Pearl. Uh, uh, it was like an oyster looking DW kit, yeah. double kick drum, just an awesome kit. And I would just sit there and there would be all these broken sticks everywhere. And I'm like, can I have these? And he's like, yeah. And so. So I met him a couple of times, but still it was Steven Adler from Guns N' Roses. So anyways, I'm in shock. I walk it back out to the kitchen and I'm looking at my parents and we're, they're looking at me and we just start like kind of laughing. We were like, what the fuck was that? You know? <laughs> and so that was, that was amazing. And, and it even gets better. So like two days later, he knocks on my door again, probably seven in the morning. And he had, as a drum throne and he goes here you need this and he gives me a drum throne Yo. and it was like like it was like you know like my golden you know, yeah like, yeah 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 so i was like wow this is incredible so that's what i played on for years until i lost it oh, <laughs> but fucking wait. Uh, and so like you know i so i was playing right around then and and so like guns and roses was another band that I, I definitely listened to and inspired by the drums. So that was kind of a long story, kind of bringing it back. So that's kind of when I started playing music. And then I started really listening to um, bands of that era. So like, you know, Primus was one of my favorite bands, Tim Alexander, Sublime, I'd been listening to for years before that. And I love that their music wasn't set in one genre. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Made, yeah. made it seamless. And the police, Stuart Copeland, Ooh, yeah. you know, he's mm -hmm. a drummer's drummer. So everyone's a fan of his. Um, and then I listen, you know, I kind of listen to everything, you know, I love jazz music. And then I love like Paul Simon was one of my favorite, oh, still yeah. is one of my favorite artists. And Graceland, that record was like, it's still my, my all time favorite record, you know. Um, so I, we were listening, I was listening to a lot of alternative, you know, rock music like that. Man. And, and so that really just like, I would just put on my headphones and play to my CD player and play to all the 311 records, you know? And, yes. Uh, yo, so same. You know? Yo, that Steven Adler story is a podcast clip of a lifetime. Yeah, I was just going to say, I that can remember, I, yo, Jose, I can remember playing drums at my fucking grandma's house with a CD player, listening to new skin with headphones and like a headband around the headphones. So they wouldn't fucking moan. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that was like, that was that's still one of my favorite stories and and it's funny because i think i've seen i've seen you know when i got into sobriety i was doing like meetings and stuff and i would i i remember seeing steven um at a at a at a meeting and his brother jamie he had a younger brother jamie always talks about like you know me coming over when i was younger when steven lived there and and it was just, it's just really funny. And Steven says he remembers it, but I don't think. Bullshit. He, <laughs> he was, he was super fucked up. He was on, you know. I think 7 a.m. means he was still awake coming yeah, over at that point. Bed, you know what I mean? He hadn't gone to bed yet. And the fucked up thing was when he got kicked out of GNR, his mom came in to, to live with him because he just couldn't take care of himself. And this was like a year later after he gave me that drum throne. Or a couple, it was like, I want to say a year to two years later, because we were, we were playing tons of shows in Southern California. And the, the story that how I lost it was we played, we were playing Soma. But is it Soma in San Diego? Oh, it's yeah, yeah, like Soma, big, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. A big club, which is what was a really rad place to play. It was yeah, play there, yep. 4,000, maybe a few thousand people. We were playing there with 311. And our, our buddy Rick threw us on that show. And after we played, we were hauling all our gear out. And someone put my drum throne on top of a speaker. And I was like, we, you know, it's like, I always have the most shit to carry because I play drums. Uh -huh. So anyways, we pack up our van, we take off. 
Next time we rehearse, I'm like, I can't find my fucking throne. And our old bass player, Alex, was like, yep, I knew you weren't going to find it. And I was like, what, what do you mean you, you knew I wasn't going to find it? He's like, I saw it up on the speaker. And I'm oh. like, you didn't fucking grab it? <laughs> and he's like, nope. And I was so fucking bummed. I was so pissed. And I'm like, you're a fucking idiot, man. Like, that's fucking God it. damn that's it. Like, that's so- you know, you probably will never get over that. Well, and now somebody has it and doesn't What's know that, that it's Steven Adler's right. drum drum. <laughs> yeah, it's probably, yeah, totally. It's probably yeah, it's probably in a dump somewhere. You know, it's probably yeah. like so, the house throne at that club. Like it's just part of the house. <laughs> I, I have no I, idea. If it was still there. It probably would was at some point. Jesus man. But so when he when his mom moved in with him, this was like a, a year or two later. She comes over, and she goes. Hi, Steven told me that he gave you a drum throne a long time ago. I need that back. And I was like, what? I was like, I don't have it. She's like, I can't, you know, that's really messed up. I can't believe you're not going to give it back. And I'm like, I promise you, I don't have it. Like I lost it. And she goes, and she was pissed. She thought I was just lying to her and she kind of, you know, stomped off. But, you know, it, that whole time was like kind of rad because I'd been playing in a band. I, Steven, I would go over to Steven's house from t- time to time because he had other musicians come in and live with him. And I'm totally blanking on the name, but there was this guitar player that I befriended and I would go over and hang out with him. And it was, a, it was funny because we would be hanging out, just shooting the shit. And, and I swear there was like, Hookers coming in and out. Just like, Hell yeah. It's crazy. And they were like, Steven, you didn't, you didn't pay us this week. And he's like, checks in the mail, honey. You know, just like <laughs> crazy rock and roll shit, you know? And, oh. and it was just like, it, but the sad part is, is like, you know, there was a lot of drugs in that house. And that guy, that guitar player, I can't believe I'm blaking on it. He ended up ODing and dying. No shit. Years yeah. later. And, um, and it was just crazy, man. It was just, it, it's a hell of a circle to be in, man. Seriously. You know, that's a, what a trip. Really, it really is, man. I, you know, and, and I feel thankful that I was able to break free of that because I, you know, it's like I jumped in right in with that, you know? Yeah. After hell yeah. Years, and after years and years of doing it, man, you're just like stuck, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, dude, this has just been unbelievable. Jose, like, we cannot actually thank you enough for being here. Um, I yeah. need two things. Two things from you. One, put more music out. And two, <laughs> please come back on this podcast because I feel like we just started scratching the surface. Yeah. Please come back on soon. Sure, man. Anytime. That, that that's a good time. I, you know, have a have a good time rekindling old memories. You know, oh, for sure. Like, Dude, I could talk all fucking day like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I forget about the shit, you know, and then I get some good prompts and I'm like, oh yeah, there's a good story behind that. Or, yeah, well, and next time I'll have to tell the story about when a radio DJ jumped off of our stage and broke your camera rig. You <laughs> got fucking reamed by like your PM that. or something. Dude, okay, fine. Fuck it. I'll tell it. 2011 Rayleigh Field in yeah. Sacramento. It was just us two. There was a radio DJ in Sacramento. I won't say his name, but he was a little eccentric, kind of whatever. And AWOL was kind of big into stage diving for whatever reason. He's like, I want to fucking do it tonight. We're like, all right, bro, knock it out. Incubus had um, a camera on a railing on the front of the stage. So the camera would pan back and forth. This motherfucker runs and tries to jump off the railing, knocks the railing over, misses his jump, goes five feet into the barricade where kids are standing right into his ribs. And I just remember all the kids' faces going, ooh. (laughs) I think there's a video of it somewhere. And then I think Incubus's PM just fucking raged on us hard. But it was a pretty funny thing to see. Somebody missed the jump. 2011. Wow. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was still high as fuck. So, <laughs> yo, me, yo, me too, man. Yeah, shit, dude. I, I just this is one of those interviews that like fell into our lap, and I could not be happier that it happened because Jose, yeah, you're an awesome really dude. Man. Great stories, and just promise me you'll come back on. Or when when this all pandemic ends and everything, we got to get together and do something for an incubus show. We'll come back. We'll interview you guys there. Something I don't know. There's so cool, much man. to be had. Hey, you guys know how to get a hold of me, man. I'll be happy to come back. Dude, we'll, yeah, we'll get out to Kenny's. We'll we'll do a little jam session in Kenny's little. Uh, I'm 15 home. minutes away from Jose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. We were thinking about coming out to LA and doing something. Get out we there should... and do something. Yeah. Be fun. I ain't going nowhere. 
Well, hell yeah, yeah brother. We're going, we're going somewhere, but no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Well, Jose Pasillas, dude, thank you so much. Everybody, you know where to find Incubus' music. There's no question about that. Follow Jose on social media. Go to his YouTube channel. Stream all his playthroughs. Jose, thank you so much for being here, man. Thank you, guys. Good to, good to rap with you guys. Yeah, thanks, brother. All right, so that was our friend Jose Pasillas of Incubus. You guys know where to find their music. I don't have to plug that. But go check out everything Jose's doing online, his playthroughs of their classic songs, everything he's got going on with fitness and nutrition. He's a great guy. I cannot wait to have him back on. Dave, I'm glad you checked your email yesterday. That's all I'm going to say, brother. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's, who else was it that we got like that? Mark was, Mark, I, I contend to this day, is the easiest person I've ever booked for a podcast. Oh, he's the was, easiest person ever. Like it, uh, we found that out. Yes. He is the nicest dude of all time. Um, but he was as simple as like, Hey Mark, do you want to hop on a show? It's like, sure. How's Tuesday at 9 PM sound or whatever it was. That was Shiflet too. Chris Shiflet was the exact same way. I DM'd him on Instagram. <laughs> like usually I got to like tiptoe around, but like this one fell into our lap and I was like, yeah. fuck yeah. Like let's roll. Um, unbelievable, unbelievable. stories, man. Unbelievable. Drops. Um, I was just saying off camera, like I went down a Steven Adler rabbit hole because like he's obviously um, in the lore of all time great, just rock stars as a whole. Like he exuded rock star. Oh, yeah. um, I can't speak to his musical talents per se, because I don't know what to think <laughs> about the drums, but like how destructive he was and um, the band he played in. And then Incubus was like kind of born from his like next door to him. It's just wild how it all came together. LA baby right there. Yep. LA. And it's another situation where I hate when somebody comes on and they're like, Oh, Hey Kenny, what's up? They were just fucking boys. Like they played together before. Yeah. And they did it. Yeah. It's like, Oh shit, dude, it's been a minute. Do you, know where Kenny, do you know where Kenny is right now? Kenny's streaming on Twitch. I hate this guy. I fucking hate Kenny. So much. what's he streaming? I don't know. He's a fucking nerd. Who knows? Uh, but let, let's get into music news. Once again, thank you to Jose Pesillas. Great guy. Um, guys, first off, I just came from the studio. We just shot cover art for the new single. I'm buzzing on fucking music right now. I'm having a great time. We got new singles coming out. The shit's amazing. Erica's singing her ass off. I'm happy. I'm excited. So I'm nice. I'm fucking on one right now. Uh, but we did have our first set of drops for festival season this year. Two biggest festivals probably out there just dropped their lineups, and I'm going to go through their headliners. I want your opinion on who's got the better one. But Coachella, if it actually is going to happen, because the last two years it's been canceled, we'll see what happens. The douchiest, most pretentious festival of all time just dropped their lineup, and they probably have the best three headliners you can get. They got Kanye motherfucking West. This is a personal favorite of mine. They got Harry Styles, which I would love to see Harry Styles live, and they got Billie Eilish. I don't know how you guys feel about that because Billy's going to headline everything, but I mean, having Kanye and Harry Styles is a very interesting one, but also Bonnaroo just dropped as well. Their headliners this year are J. Cole, which I think J. Cole can command a fucking army. Tool could be in a more opposite side of the coin. Uh, and then Stevie Nicks is the last night, but they also have uh, Dixie Chicks, Elenium, uh, 21 Savage and Flume, and then Machine Gun Kelly and Roddy Rich also headlining. I gotta say, I think I'm yeah. more excited... I think I'm more excited for, for Coachella in this situation. Yeah, definitely. So do you – Is it's just Stevie Nicks? It's not Fleetwood Mac? No, it's not Fleetwood Mac. It's just Stevie oh, Nicks. I saw – this was like five years ago. Uh, they did a world tour when Chrissy McVie came back to the band. And yep. Chrissy McVie being the Mac in Fleetwood Mac, she, she owns a lot of songs. So I guess it, Fleetwood Mac, like when they would be on tour, even Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham and everybody – um, in the band, other than Chrissy McVie, like Mick Fleetwood was still there and everything. They couldn't sing a lot of the songs, but oh, I saw them when Chrissy McVie came back into the band on the first leg of their world tour and the last leg. It was like 12 months apart. I saw them at the Allstate Arena in Chicago, oh, just outside Chicago, and then at the United Center, and they're awesome. Damn, dude, I went to both those too. Yeah, I, I actually remember because uh, we found out the next day at the Allstate one that, that you and Cheryl went, I want to say. Yeah. Um, I just I just didn't know that I didn't know you well enough back then. That was like five, six years ago, right? Uh it might have been longer, honestly. But yeah, it was a dude, while. Those, those shows were so fucking amazing. Yeah, they're they're incredible. Like I Lindsay Buckingham is never talked about like on an all-time great guitarist and, and He's unbelievable. This like he is fucking unbelievable on the guitar. Bro, he, I was I was just watching him. So I saw one show, I saw the United Center show from the floor. I had fucking amazing seats. 
And then I saw the Allstate show. I had horrible seats, not cool enough. And I, I don't know, man. I was, I'm just fucking, I think I'm out on the weekend. And see, I thought the exact same thing. I didn't love the album. It feels very much like the last three weekend albums we got. I wasn't like blown away in any capacity. So Dave, let's just so you know, he released this like album it's called, but it's basically a soundtrack to a film that how long is it Colin? like 40 I mean, minutes easy 40 minutes and jim carrey is like narrating part of it it's so fucking strange yeah it's it, art, man yeah it, 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 it's art yeah exactly and you know i usually for the art the art shit i can act like i'm on it you know what i mean i can i'll be like oh i totally understand what you're going for here and i said it the last week we talked about this it was like I was excited that someone was putting thought and care into an album, but I also don't like feeling like, like I'm stupid when I'm listening to it. Yes. Like I like yeah. I don't get that's what yes. it is. It's exactly. And I'm, there is so much of me like the weekend is my hipster artist where I knew about them before they got huge. And I'll be that guy always like you guys just don't get it back when the weekend you didn't even know what the weekend looked like. And he was talking about fucking girls and doing cocaine all the time. It was different. He's the number one streaming artist in the world now. So it's a completely different ballgame than what we're talking about. So Dante, I do agree. The album didn't move me. It didn't do shit for me. Um, but dude, I, I hate when they, they try to go outside the box like this, dude. Just make a fucking album. Yes. Like I that's agree. what like Donda, like I don't I, I haven't listened to the weekend album yet. I don't really I like a lot of his songs, but like I get over them really quickly, so I don't go yeah. out of my way to listen to them often. But um, like with the, with Donda, I didn't. I was like, dude, this isn't an. It's an album, but what is this? Yeah, like, I don't. I I, I get what you're saying. You know, I want song, 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 and I'm like, that song's great. That song's okay. That song's song. Like that's it. And I think that's what the I, general consumer wants too. To be honest, I think I'm going for another tinfoil hat moment. I don't think there's a way in hell the weekend really has 88 million people that listen to him every month. <laughs> I don't like that. That's not realistic. Like Drake has 50 million, which sounds asinine to me. So you're trying to tell me you have like basically 60% more listeners than Drake. I don't know. Yeah. Dude. That's, that's I've a, been, that's, that's a little out here, bro. I don't know. I, that's just me, but I, I don't also, the weekend fans are fucking crazy as well. And they will stab me verbally too. So I don't want to go any deeper on this, but Dante, I do agree. I'm not, I'm not here for it. It, it was okay. It wasn't some fucking artistic movement that won't ever be recreated. So, uh, other than that, I said the the weekend or the the Nas album was great. The new Father John Misty song was awesome, but kind of a slow week for music past that. And uh, yeah, Kodak Black was my biggest news of the week. Almost getting some nanny up in a box. Uh, let's go into on the list, off the list. Uh, Dave, why don't you start us out? Who's on your list? Uh, two. All right, on my list, I'm gonna go with. Um... I'm going to go with Shane Hall. So Shane Hall was yeah. uh, one of the first guests we ever had on the show. Um, I, st I picked him up early in the pandemic because I was just, it was, it was springtime. Springtime's like kind of when I listened to reggae rock music. And randomly he was on the house that Bradley built, which was, uh, it was the collection. I think it was the 25th year anniversary of Sublime self-titled album, maybe. Yeah. Um, so it was like a commemory and they sold it, the album and 100% of proceeds went to uh, like foundations that help people battle addiction issues. Yep. So it was a really good cause and everything. And he was on the album and uh, we stayed in touch. He's actually, he hit me up today, just landed in Chicago. He's playing at city winery tomorrow. Dante, if you want to go on a little couple's date, me and you, like I, I, I go to New York, dude, I would fucking love to go, love to do that. Anything live music right now. I'm fucking all about. Want to go see city winery. Dope too. Get here. I've never been to city winery actually. Oh, oh they're it. awesome, dude. They're great. Yeah. Great. It's like you're sitting I, in somebody's like there tomorrow. So when this episode drops, if you want to check out Shane Hall, super good. He's like, he's like bluesy reggae, kind of um, mm -hmm. a lot of acoustic stuff. He's got a real good voice uh, trying to get his name out there. Um, he's former Marine Corps vet. Super good, dude. He'll be at City Winery. Go check him out. He's on my guest list. Actually, he's going to put me on his guest list. But for all intents and purposes, I'll be on. He's on my guest list tonight. There you go. Great man. Uh, great, fucking great guy. That was a good interview, too. On my guest list is Champagne Poppy. It's Drake. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but Drake apparently had a situation with an Instagram model, which, by the way, she leaked this news. I have no idea why. Uh, she had sexual intercourse with Drake, 
Drake threw the condom out, and then she went and scooped it out of the trash and tried to impregnate herself. She said that when she did that, she found out quickly that Drake puts hot sauce in the condoms that he uses so that in case girls try and do this and trap them into a pregnancy, they get a nice little surprise. And uh, this girl leaked this news that Drake puts hot sauce and condoms. Uh, Drake's not getting caught up in any more baby mama drama. Second off, don't ever do that. That's one of the, that's, that's the worst. That's like, that's like reverse rape. It is. It's first off. Is that like, like prosecutable or prosecutable? Can that be prosecuted by law? Like, is that like, I have no idea what the, but that's, it's fucked up. That's fucked up. Fucked up. My man went through the precautions to not have a baby and you're going to like steal. That's some that's some crazy next level shit. But also, that girl needs to be psychiatrically evaluated because that's why would you tell anybody that? Like, I guess because then you can say you smash Drake, but I don't know. That's just some weird backwards well, LA bullshit, dog. It's all like, well, yeah. I mean, first off, who knows if it's true? But if it is, shouts out Drake because that's genius. He should start putting Mason there. He should start fucking like bear mace, yeah. Just bear mace in the condom. I mean, I, I mean, I'm assuming. And I don't know the the science behind it, but I don't know how long sperm lasts just sitting in a condom. Um, but I'm assuming she like took it home and like you know, no, she did it there apparently in the bathroom. She oh, did it in the, the bathroom. Oh, so yeah, so I'm sure she was her fucking vagina was burning <laughs> like an inferno. Well, Drake. You won this one, buddy. Congratulations. Just make, dude, if I was Drake, I'd just be fucking celibate. I don't even know what I would do. I I, I can't trust. He can't trust anybody. Right. I know. You can't trust anybody. Like, literally nope. nobody. Yeah, because we know there's everybody out there trying to steal my sperm. That's what they're doing. Uh, Dante, <laughs> who's on your list? Uh, Machine Gun Kelly, everyone's boy. Uh, everyone's favorite. <laughs> Got engaged today. Congratulations, Kells. Uh, lockdown is childhood dream girl it's fucking weird how you can grow up like fantasizing about some chick and then the universe just fucking made weird shit happen i think she like woke up one day and realized like what the fuck am i doing with brian austin green and (laughs) now he's fucking engaged to her crazy shit man happy for the guy i'm gonna shock you here i'm not even gonna hate congratulations to the happy couple Mazel tov. Um, that's good for them. Uh, I will, I will um, you know, I'll reserve any jokes for a later time. But Dante, you think you're going to get an invite to the wedding? No. No. That's going to be tier one and tier two. I'm like tier 30 something. Hey, do you think he's going to wear like a leather pink tux or platform oh, shoes? Yeah, they'll do something ridiculous for he'll be sure. Co- right? He'll be covered in blood or something like that. Some weird shit. I don't know. I'm Hey. Mazel tov, guys. Congratulations. I'm going to, I reserve all my jokes. It's for another day. This is not the time. Weddings are a magical thing. (laughs) There you go, Dave. Keep it alive, brother. Uh, Dave, who's off your list? Off my list is uh, the house buying process. So Mm. I spent like, I've never done it before. So hopefully within the next two or so months, I'm buying a house and, um, or condo, nothing, you know, nothing no mansions yet, hopefully. Hmm. Um, but I was on the phone for hours today, like going over credit scores and my finances. Like I, for the next two months, had to eat, like Henry Hill said, like egg noodles and ketchup because of my spending habits. Every, every night I'm just like, I'll spend 30 bucks on this. I'll spend 30 Oh, dude. Yeah, I mean, do you have a good like banker helping you? I, I do now, yes. Yeah, so they'll like tell, like do not buy anything over four hundred dollars between now and then, because it'll get flagged. You have to, amp, you have to explain it. It sucks. Like they asked me how much credit that I have, and I I thought I had it added up correctly, and I thought it was only about thirty five hundred bucks, and it was eleven thousand five hundred dollars. So I Did you forget like student loan or something? No, no, no. It was just uh, credit card debt. I don't. I pay student loans off with cash. Um, I forgot about a Nordstrom Ooh. where I had that. I just like, it left yeah, those. my mind. So that it's, yeah. it automatically yeah. debits the minimum every month, like 40 bucks. And I didn't, like, I, I forgot I had the card because 
Dude, like, you gotta you gotta pay that card off. They charge like twenty nine percent or something fucking ridiculous. Like so the last you pay couple minimum, days, you'll never pay that off. The last couple of days, I've paid off all of that debt, so I'm like a little fucking broke right now. I got it Jesus. down to zero. So my credit. Well, this is the month to be broke, man. January sucks. No one goes out. Everything's dead. It's fucking zero degrees in Chicago. This is a good month to. And down the hatches. All of that brings me to my next point. I wanted to go see Susan uh, Tedeschi Truck Sex Week at the Chicago Theater. And $40 tickets a piece. I would have probably tried to coax some broad to come with me. And uh, like, I'm thinking, all right, 80 bucks, whatever. I don't care. But, you know, $20 uh, each way for an Uber. I'm easily spending $100 on booze that night. That's going to turn into like 200. So I'm like, fuck, dude, I want to buy a house or do I want to go to this concert. Kind of want to go to the concert. I don't want to go to the concert, you know, but I, I don't know if like that'd be like, I, he would probably yell at me, this finance guy. He's like, dude, you really spend money like a single dude. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. My off the list is uh, Ben Simmons and Rich Paul because I'm tired of this shit. I know I've done this like 50 <laughs> times. I know this is like my off the list like every other week. Fuck him. I'm done. Shoot his ass into the sun. Don't care. I want a championship. I want a functional franchise. And we're $33 million under the cap from everybody else. It's bullshit. Fuck you, Ben Simmons. I hate your guts. And I hate you, Rich Paul, for making up bullshit excuses to get your guy paid. So fuck him. I'm very jealous of the Bulls situation right now because you guys have a very lovable team. Uh, they're losing about 15 to the Nets right now at home. Good. Go Sixers. Trust the process. Uh, Dante, who's off your list? Uh, this is going to be semi-controversial but i just can't fucking take it anymore uh my good friend uh kevin clancy mm. aka kfc at barstool what happened uh sure you saw the unbelievable picture of our guy chief and ozzy Gian <laughs> weekend. i mean it was one of the fucking funniest like waking up just so fucking hung over on saturday morning and seeing that picture just blasted all over Twitter was everywhere. I was dying in my bed in bed. And Cheryl's like, what is so funny? What is so funny? <laughs> and I showed her the picture and she even started dying laughing, which is how I know it's like one of the funniest things ever, but like fucking everything barstool touches, they just beat it to death, <laughs> beat it into the ground. And then dig it back up and beat it some more. And it's like, like, fuck man, just let shit breathe. Like we all get it. We don't need 15 blogs, 15 videos, 15 memes and all this other shit. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because he's beating this to death, but I'm kind of conflicted because at least he's not taking my blogs and using them to make one minute man videos, which is Ooh. what he's gone on a run doing the last <laughs> month. So that's all my, that's all my grievances with KFC. And I, I know Dave will, uh, Dave's probably smiling ear to ear right now. <laughs> yeah, look at him right now. <laughs> he's not a, he's not a big fan. Not a big fan of KFC. Yeah. I love KFC. <laughs> KFC's like, aside from big cat, like, out of all the non-Chicago guys, like KFC was the first one that reached out to me like six, seven, eight, nine years ago, a long time ago. It was like, hey, here's my number. If you ever need any help, advice, need to bitch, moan, like anything, like don't hesitate to reach out. I'm like, that was really cool. And like, I would still be timid to do that. But like every time I did, he'd like fucking come back with a thesis of advice or whatever it was. Like, I love KFC. I have no problem calling KFC a fucking ass clown about like different takes but that's like that's fine i love kfc though kfc yeah, he's, he's a great dude kfc great followed dude. the band on instagram and like three days later just it was a clip from our podcast about me saying like uh my off list was uh mayor of east town because it's my accent to a t and uh <laughs> i i was like my argument was like, I was like, it's such an overblown accent. Like, this is bullshit. Like, they make us sound like morons. And he commented on the video and he was like, dude, are you fucking serious? Listen to yourself. You sound exactly <laughs> like her. What the fuck are you talking about? And I was like, you know what? <laughs> He's probably right. So, <laughs> I love KFC, but Dante, I do have a question coming off of this. Do you consider yourself the best blogger at Barstool? 
No, fuck no. KFC is a fucking unbelievable. Yeah, like that. Like like the the uh, the big dogs are all like so much fucking better than anybody writing right now. When they actually do write, it's like God. I wish they weren't fucking doing a million videos and yeah other content things because they're so fucking good at writing. Dante, who do you think, or both of you guys, who do you think is the number one? Like, if you could read one blogger alone, who would you read? It'll never not be old school KFC. For me, like, he, he's he got a great way of making serious, like, a great uh, natural, I'll call it a gift of taking serious subjects, adding humor to them, and, like, giving a, giving his take on them. Um, he just, he, like not in a bad way. He just can't do that anymore because he's got his, he's got a million different other things going on. But yeah. KFC is like the reason I started writing the site when he really buckles down and takes time and will like spend three, four hours writing something like he's the best on earth at it. Yeah, like, I mean, Dante is obviously up there. If anybody said Dante, I wouldn't argue against it. It's just a matter of taste at that point. You know, Dante's the name I see on the blog most often recently. That's, like, I feel like- like, I'm trying to do so much more video content because I don't think I'm a good writer at all like if it's about baseball i can like that's just going from mind to paper because i don't kind of think about that i know what i'm talking about but for like something else like i I, i'm just not good with words so i'm trying to do make money for the company in other ways like doing the rediscovering america for a week and shit like that so that's where i don't think you're giving yourself enough credit i I agree um, with that yeah do you make some very very good jokes and you're very good at ripping people to shreds and act it actually being funny well, Dave, I read everything in your voice, so yes. I, yes. I love it. It's like I'm reading Matthew McConaughey's autobiography right now, and the entire I'm flying through this book because I'm reading it in McConaughey's voice. So I'm like, it's like I'm watching a long movie. When I read your blogs, I read it in your voice. Dude, like, it's, like, I avoid re-listening. To, I'll like if tomorrow I'll listen to the interview that we did with uh, Jose Pacias today, uh, and that's probably it, just because I hate hearing myself that much. Like, I'm sure you, like, when you started podcasting more, well, you're a musician, so you hear yourself. Yeah, but I hate my own voice. Everybody hates their own voice. That you hate, and it doesn't sound like how it sounds to you when you're talking. Like, I heard myself on the rundown today. I'm like, dude, you sound like, like, you sound bad. Oh, no, I disagree. I like, I like the way you carry yourself when you, when you, like, the thing is, I don't mind listening to myself on a podcast, um, but, like, listening to myself sing you pick everything to share to shreds. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's, sure. it's, it's one of those things, but um, damn, I didn't expect to get into a to best blogger. My first blogger that turned me on to Barstool, oddly enough, was PFT <laughs> reading PFT's oh, yeah. broken and English you, blogs. You can't like, it takes so much talent to do that, that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Like to add his little, his little subtle, like world war two Hitler jokes that you might, <laughs> might not catch up on or, uh, like just stuff like that, yeah. He, like nobody does it like him. It's unbelievable, man. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I love reading the blog. I do. I fucking love it, Dante. I think Dante. I think you're doing such an amazing job on a blog too. I don't want to try to kiss your ass, but I fucking love your blogs. I like reading. I like reading Chief stuff, and I like I agree. stuff. I think. Yeah, Carl's really Carl's a really good blogger too. When he yeah, he just he's he's like you. He hasn't he hasn't written a lot. I, I, I avoid the long form stuff. Like I try to get out two a day um, at, at minimum during baseball season. It's always way more because that's my bread and butter. But um, like, as far as like, it, like I see all these stories that are blogged about and uh, like the viral stories, like the shit that Dante has been writing about a lot more the last six or eight months, but I could jump on those immediately, but I, I like the other people to have them that like Dante, who I know will see it two minutes later if he hasn't already, because he's going to do way better at it than I would. So I'm just like, that's not for me, you know? Well, you also have like fucking nine podcasts. So you have enough uh, like long form shit to get into, you know what I mean? So like right. the other people who write, right. But all right, that's going to wrap up this week's episode. Uh, thank you to Jose Pasillas. Fucking great guy. Great interview. I can't wait to have him back on. We have a bunch of interviews coming up. Uh, Friday we have one. I have one on on Sunday. We have a lot of stuff coming down the shoot. We might have one in line that would be the biggest interview we've ever done or could ever get. Uh, we'll get into that later. Uh, but either way, a uh, lot more coming out. Check us out on Adobe Radio on Monday. I want to get back to two episodes a week. Now that baseball season's over, football season's coming to an end. We're getting back into this full time. Let's fucking get this shit done and, and keep these pumped out. Gentlemen, anything else for today? 
No. Good, uh, good work. Good work landing that, Dave, and setting it all up. That, that's going to be big. Yeah. Dante, go to bed. Going to see Susan Tedeschi week, next week. The answer is no. Nobody talked me into it. Fuck that house, Dave. Go see the show. Dude, I'll go with you. They're doing like a whole week, right? Uh, I think just the 21st. If no, you want to go with, if like, cause you, I know we can just go and leave. Nah, dude, I dropped Cheryl off at work the other night and I saw they're doing, it's like a residency. They're doing like their winter residency. Oh, that's sick. Hold on. I'll I'm tell good. you right now. I'm Googling okay. it. All right. We'll talk off air. We're going to yeah, get out of here. Yeah. We fucking love you guys.